fourth watch starts now. Everybody, you're listening to the Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight we discuss many areas of demonic attacks delivered with strong biblical exhortation for the equipping of the saints in Jesus Christ. All with a very special guest whose ministry is constantly dealing with extreme spiritual warfare. This is a topic that rarely gets the proper teaching in mainstream churches, so tonight we sit down to discuss. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Expelling the Demons with special guest Russ Dizdar. Well, it's officially Thursday, and that means it's officially time for the fourth watch. It is such a blessing to be back with you all, and we've got a great show on tap tonight. If you're a new listener, we're very grateful to have you tuning in, and we want to let you know that there's a brand new show posted every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to head on over to fourthwatchradio.com. That's F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H. R-A-D-I-O.com, fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find show archives, links to our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, links to all of our websites, as well as a donate page that will show multiple ways you can help support the Fourth Watch Ministries. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes if that's your preferred method of listening. A couple quick reminders. Hollow Earth Chronicles is on sale and available in multiple formats, including DVD and instant HD streaming. You can secure your copy right now at fourthwatchfilms.com. That's fourthwatchfilms, all spelled out, dot com. This is a powerful and groundbreaking, high-quality documentary that you won't want to miss. So be sure to get your hands on a copy or stream it today at fourthwatchfilms.com. Also, our mailing address has changed for those who like to send in letters, questions, and support. So be sure to head over to fourthwatchradio.com and click the support our ministry tab and there you'll find the new mailing address. We are no longer using the Georgia mailing address, so please make note of that. Finally, the Android app is back. So be sure to download your copy for free in the Google Play Store or follow the link from our website. Now, tonight we have a very special show. We are in the studio with Russ Dizdar, and this is going to be an amazing discussion. It's such a blessing to have him here. Many of you know that we're working on the upcoming film project over at Skywatch, Defender Films, Fall Brothers Productions, but to have Russ Dizdar right here in the studio, it is such a blessing. So we are going to go ahead and welcome on Russ Dizdar from ShatterTheDarkness.net. Russ, welcome to The Fourth Watch. How are you tonight? Hey, doing very good. Good to see you and uh, good to be here in the studio. We usually just do these over the Skype, so you're looking at no one, so I get to see your great face and good to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, Russ, and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I know many people know who you are already, but for those who, who don't know who you are and what you do and your calling, your very uh, 
specific calling in ministry. Let everybody know that. Sure. I mean, ultimately, it's just, you know, evangelism. Since the day I got saved, it was just, you know, evangelism and reaching the rest of the world. I came out of darkness. I came out of, uh, you know, drugs, cultism, all kind of stuff, and, and tried to be a Buddhist for a number of years. But when I got saved, it was all about just reaching individuals. That included, though, engaging people demonized, and then we end up with some really heavy, underground, satanic, you know, ritually abused people in 1980. And then from 1980, we just kind of opened the door and said, God, I just said, God, I'll open the door, send us whoever you want to. And from that time to this, we're talking hundreds of cases of heavy-duty satanic ritual abuse, which led us into, uh, you know, dealing with deliverance, you know, kicking out the demons, expelling them, seeing Jesus bring healing to the broken, fragmented lives. But it also involved um, massive... um, we wanted to research, wanted to find out the, if these stories, you know, of ritual sites and bones, and 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 we wanted to know if they were true. So we we built a team in the early '80s. It's now called Core Team One, and we've been all over, been to Europe, been to you know around the world, been to about 90 cities. So we track the bad guys too, the undergrounders too, and it's huge, it's massive. So we've invested a lot of our time. Of course, it's part of the calling, um, and it's just. Satanic ritual abuse, which is the tools they use to forge um, individuals they call chosen ones. It's a huge story. It's hard to talk about it in just a few moments, but we're talking 100 million victims on a global scale right now. Uh, They're not just in the United States, but they're here in every city. And it involves um, cases that we've had to go to the feds over, law enforcement over. It's led us into law enforcement and teaching academy, police academy a little bit. Um, that's, so we focus on it. We go after victims. Um, and it's, uh, it is really a supernatural battle though, because, uh, they really do have powers. They really do operate in demonic presence and powers and, and without anybody dealing with them, they, they just simply run free. They run, they want run free and it, it corresponds to biblical prophecy and, and, and where we are in history. But the overwhelming authority, uh, the incredible power of God as long as we're walking that way and praying that way and engaging, it's unbelievable, you know, what we've discovered, what we've uncovered, let alone finding victims and sometimes extracting them from one city to another. Uh, and and we're literally talking hundreds and hundreds of times now, deliverance, dealing with demons screaming at us through people. And uh, that's, you know, that's, we. I mean, it's like every week, that's what we do. People generally have an idea of demons based on Hollywood movies or they hear some defunct occultist uh, giving a, a podcast interview, you know, that they've been through this, they've done that, we, we've all heard them. But to deal with a man uh, such as yourself who, who goes onto the front lines and deals with demons and, and helps people get true deliverance from a biblical perspective, uh, there's a lot of kooky deliverance ministries out there. I think we're all familiar with some of them. Uh, but to talk to a guy like you who has an authority in Jesus Christ— which we can all have. I want to make that very clear. Uh, we can all have that authority in Jesus Christ if we take it. And to talk to you and just the conversations we've had over the last few days have just been mind blowing. I, I don't know how much you can tell us, and we. I, I definitely want to get into to your book, expelling the darkness. But can you tell us a couple, uh, maybe maybe a case or two of some of the, the the craziest stuff that you've had to face? Sure. I mean, and, and one thing we should know, and this is part of the reason for the book, the book is actually coming from a training manual, but I turned it into a book. It's really kind of like a discipleship thing telling believers, hey, we've been given authority. Most believers don't understand that. When I was a local pastor, we did all this training. We taught our people to be 
filled with the spirit of God to be uh, to be to have authority to deal with demons to to know what the armor of God was you know and to be in the word of God so that's just necessary all believers have been given authority I don't have any more than anybody else now I'll be in Dallas in a few weeks and or a few days rather and I'll I'll be at other conferences and the truth is people will come just for the deliverances and there'll be a line sometimes two three hours long but I'm going to be very clear I tell anyone I have no more authority than anybody else. Jesus said, I have given you, this is Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 19, I have given to you authority, and and look at the concept, to tread, to crush, to trample the dark side, to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Now, the sad thing is, many believers have never been taught that at all, never been told they have this. We have been given this, and we just I just simply teach people, appropriate it, acknowledge that you have it. Like Romans 6 says, count yourself dead to sin, because you are. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to, to Christ. That's part of what we count and appropriate and take in. So every believer can do this. Every believer can be filled with the Spirit, be a soul winner, be deep in the Lord, you know, to really walk in in, in, a, in a powerful way. I believe we've been designed to be like a powerhouse for God, not, not this weakness that we see around us. I believe churches, think in terms of the local church even, the gathering is where Christ is supposed to be the, in, in, actually present. God is to be dwelling there. So I, I constantly say, I'm going to say it in Dallas other conferences this year, when we gather together, it is the most supernatural place on the planet. God's presence, think in terms of prayer, worship, the word, giftings, working, people getting saved, all of that collectively, I mean, it should be God all over the place. In our lives, God should be all over our lives in the sense of what we're doing. Um, no believer, once, especially when you know your authority, you're walking the Lord, it helps drive out all the fear issues. It just simply drives it all out. Uh, the scripture's true. The righteous should be as bold as a lion, uh, and the wicked should flee. So when Jesus launched the church, you know, the church he said he's going to build, the gates of hell and what's coming out of it, will not prevail, can't withstand the onslaught of the church. Uh, and that's what we see in the book of Acts. Nobody could stop those guys. You had to kill him to stop him. So that's that's what I love about those guys, especially Philip. He's my he's my little hero in the book of Acts. Young guy, second generation. But when you read Acts chapter 8 and see him just, I mean, God all over his life, he unleashes the kingdom in the city, a dark, demonized city with a sorcerer there. You see people get saved, healed. Demons are going out screaming. That's the chapter. If I can, if I can get 10 million believers... To that level, if I could be at that, you know, all of us could, and we can be. That's that's the good thing. So that's what the book's all about, training us to what we have, what we know, what we should know. Um, lack of biblical content, lack of that truth inside of us does create um, fear in believers. You know, I don't know how to do it. What do I do? Uh, and, and it shouldn't be that way. We should learn our authority and armor of God in the first six months of discipleship. It would cut half of the counseling that goes on in the church down. If you if you train believers to be what they're supposed to be in the early days, they're able to help take care of themselves. They're able to go to the Lord. They're able to go to pray. They're, they're able to search the word. They're able to you know, know what demonic presence is. Instead of being under oppression and being beat up all the time, Christians come in and say, I've been beat up all the time. I've been beat up for years. It's like, why? If you don't know authority, if you don't know armor, if you don't know how to use the word and live in it, Sure, that's going to happen, but that's not the way God intended us to be. So the book is overwhelmingly a push to stop the madness of carnality, stop the madness of cheap Christianity, stop the madness of this weakness and anemic. We've been created, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
to do those good works he prepared in advance. Uh, we are to be powerhouses, and you see this in the book of Acts, and Jesus is the same today. So stories of it, five-year-old girl coming into a church down in the nursery. I'm teaching on the subject upstairs to adults. Churches all over. The little kids come upstairs. Little girl walks past. She's playing. Little flowered dress. My wife comes. She's on her way home. She was taking care of the nursery kids. She comes back to the church, walks into the sanctuary. We're all there. You know, this is just after church stuff. And she says, I ha- the Lord wants me to come back. That little girl needs to be prayed for. Because in the nursery, she turned to me, pointed her finger at me, said, Satan wants to break your arm. I think there's something wrong. Soon as that was said, the little girl saw this. She went full manifestation demonic on the floor. Little five-year-old girl in a dress. You should have heard the volume of the voice, the demon voice coming out. Every explicit cuss word, curse word, screaming word, blasphemy towards God. Her, her mother actually had to go get her from under the pews, slide her and, and grab a hold of her, fighting and fray, and, and then she brings her to me. Soon as I put my arms around the little girl, we started to pray. She went instantly limp. Um, others who've never seen this, one, one, one believer started doing like a little war dance. I was like, what do you, I was, I, I, in my mind, I'm watching all this go on because they've never seen a demon manifest. I can tell you stories of a pastor that when he saw it, he just gripped the chair and he was terrified. Um, and we got rid of that demon of this kid in like 30 seconds. Uh, but in this case, um, some people just started ye- you know, yelling praises to God. Some people are just saying, Jesus, Jesus. And then this one individual, kind of, it's like they were stomping around doing like a war dance, which I didn't even know what that was. So, you know, God gave us authority and, and you were to order them. So when I was just beginning to pray to say, stop, you know, commanding the spirit to stop, you know, doing this to a little girl, she instantly went limp, but the demon left her and went. Her mother was sitting there, went right on the mother. The mother went to the floor um, because we found out the mother was in deep witchcraft behind the scenes. And this was a transference. And she was letting her daughter come into it and bringing her daughter into it and behind the scenes, all in darkness. So the demon that was just instantly kicked out of the little bit, you know, little five year old, went back on the mother. The mother went to the floor. You know how they say, just all over the floor, just like a snake. And so we all turned that direction, commanded, and and, and instantly she was released. I mean, the demon released her. Um, teenagers that were downstairs, and they had a kid that was oppressed with the demon. They went through some prayers of these kids. All of a sudden, they went screaming, yelling, running. Demonic presence is real. And, and the, there was this massive episode that started with a little girl but without the authority of Jesus, there would have been nothing done. Without anybody discerning that something was going wrong, nothing would have been done. And a five-year-old uh, would have been demonized, and and uh, and the mother into it herself. She opened the doors to all of this. It was generational. And actually, the biblical word for you know possession is diamonozoi, and it literally just means demonized. You could be demonized. You know, outwardly on you, partially in you, or like Mark chapter 5. But this little girl was a Mark chapter 5, where the demon was speaking through her, and then the mother. And yet, the authority of Jesus, it's compassionate, released them completely, released her completely. And of course, then you get them to yield to the Lord, renounce things, close the doors, and, and, and be clean from that moment on. Unbelievable. 
one thing that comes to mind right now, um, I, I'm thinking about my early days when I first started studying demons. Um, the name itself, when we go back to the root word, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it daemon? Daemonian, yeah, de- yeah. Now, when when you when you study this this original word, it carries this idea of almost like an extreme intelligence. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, they're they're definitely intelligent. They're you know they're demons, unclean spirits, and there's different titles given to them. They're all the same, but we've got to understand these are these are suprahuman being. The being these are entities that have mind that have will. Like look at Revelation twelve where Satan is his wrath, angry. He's angry. Uh, so um, they are. Um, they are beyond us in intelligence. They're faster. They're stronger. And then when they get into somebody, they can make that person move fast. Things are going on. Look at Mark 5. The guy could break chains that were on his. So they become like the, the, the strength of 10 men sometimes. Uh, but they're, they're real entities. They, they exude powers. Of course, they're all the darkest of the dark and unclean and, 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 and always wanting to damage individuals. Uh, they they know who we are before we even perceive them. So these these hyper intelligent beings, which uh, I know you and I have talked, we we believe that they go back to um, the Nephilim before the flood. Now uh, in this, and, and I want to get into the, this this idea of the categories here in just a few minutes. But uh, before we do that, considering that they're they're hyper intelligent beings, they're beings that are outside of the human category directly. They oftentimes can come with knowledge of the future. Now, I, I, I don't want to give them too much credit here because they're liars. They're, demons are liars. We need to understand that. But, you know, we have, the, we have the story of the girl in the book of Acts, and she had the gift of soothsaying. Now, it's not really a gift. It was a demonic possession. Uh, she was called out by, by the apostles, and uh, the demon was then cast out of her, and then her pimps, uh, I call, I, I always, people always laugh when I say that, but in, in reality, it was like her pimps, her handlers, uh, they get ticked off because now Paul has, Paul has literally um, messed up their their lucrative business of making money off of her soothsaying or her fortune telling. Um, this is one of those passages that, that we kind of go back to when we realize that demons can bring about what might appear in the modern world as a gift of fortune telling or a gift of prophecy, if you will. And I want to be careful how I say this, because I, there are a lot of people in the modern church that are being demonized. Um, there seems to be these people that are self-appointed prophets, um, they, they, they basically come around and they, they feel that they can literally turn the prophecy on at any given moment and they can give a prophecy to any person at any time. You could just go to a little prophecy room and you are guaranteed to be given a fortune per se. This makes me think back to what took place in the book of Acts. Sure, exactly. The girl was, uh, and she did, she had a spirit that was predicting and they were making money off her. And you're, I, I do the same thing. I see it as they were pimping her out spiritually as they would somebody physically, you know, sexually. So they're just making money off of her. And 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 Paul was, actually the word there is he was, he was disturbed. He was aggravated in his spirit. And he finally just turns around. Look how simple it was in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, come out of her, get out. And, and instantly occurred. He addressed the demon he addressed the entity that was um, operative in her. How she got it wasn't addressed, but there's always a door, and commanded it out. And and it, and it did. The rest of the folks knew. And that's true. Anybody that's demonized, many times um, in the New Age movement, even in militaries, uh, blinded embrace of these dark entities, uh, they they want the powers. They want the enhancement. They and Like the Nazis said, non-human enhancement. They want non-human uh, aid. 
um, energies, abilities, strengths, whatever they might give. So when a demon does come upon and or in a person, they can give supernatural insights. And now they're not infinite like God. You know, God, of course, there's a great big difference, and we should know that difference. Um, when it comes to God and prophecy, he's in the future and the past and the present all at once. Um, God, you know, God doesn't have to look to the future. He's already on the other side of the future. Whereas demons, when they're giving the fake, you know, fake prophecies and, you know, even like uh, some book like uh, The Externalization of the Hierarchy by Alice Bailey, massive book where a demon inspired the very writings, but predicting, in their view, they're trying to say it as prophecy, but they're predicting their agenda, um, the New Age movement. So that was laid out deeply in 1937, uh, incrementally how they would do that on a global scale and so forth. So that's that's all real. And I'm going to emphasize this, that there are more demons operative in the world that we're living in than ever in the collective history of the world. That's my assessment in 38 years on the field. My assessment biblically and prophetically is the scriptures speak there'll be more demonic presence in every kind of category, counterfeit signs, wonders, miracles, counterfeit Christ, prophets, apostles, so forth. Every kind of supernatural thing. And the big issue is Satan is able, we know the scriptures, Satan is able to masquerade as an angel of light. Well, the word masquerade is metaschizmatai. It means they have the ability to morph their presence without changing their nature. It's done by design. So as the great white brotherhood, the ascended masters, the alien, do I believe that there are entities in the skies all over the place? Yeah, multiple kinds of them are all over the place. It doesn't surprise me that we're seeing this whole massive ufology and the entities there. They act dimensionally more than anything else. I believe they are what Ephesians 6 calls um, archon or cosmocrater. So when the Spirit of God defines um, these, what we would always call demons, he, does, he, he, he uses the actual terminology showing the differences that there are um, in, we could say in rank and category, but they're actually like species. When Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, the word kind or type is for the word species, like dogs. Some demons are big and huge and powerful in, in certain ways. Some are lesser. So cosmocrater, like we Ephesians 6, principalities, powers, you know, and so forth. We read, we read that terminology. Well, there's four terms the Spirit of God used. Cosmocrater, archon, exousia, and porneus pneumonicae. And then in 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit of God leads Paul to write there and refer to an entire other class that's going to come to bring massive deception and lead people to write demon-inspired books. They're called planos, meaning imposters, with, with the intent to seduce. So when you think in terms of in the skies and all of the millions and millions of people engaging the, you know, the alien issue, um, and it's vast, uh, I'm not surprised because in Ephesians 6, when we're told that our, our own personal war and struggle, spiritual battle is not against flesh and blood, but against those powers, our battle as believers against Cosmocrater, Archon, Exousia, Perneus Numenicae, and they're located, in that chapter there, they're located in the Epihuronos, the, the heavens right above our heads dimensionally. Or like Ephesians 2, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. 
the Greek word eros, meaning the immediate dense atmosphere above our heads. So that globally, they operate out of that dimensional, you know, like we would consider space of the heavens, not the heaven where God is, but they operate and, they, and, they, and, and they're just, in, you know, engaging humanity since the fall of the human race, they have the right. But we must understand, biblically, number one, the, the nature, the origin, the methods, what, what I believe 30 years and 40 years of you know, studies in the areas, we, we don't understand the agenda, how vast the agenda is. So I'll say this quickly. There's no end of the world without them driving it, without their global manifesting you know, operative uh, nature. There's no mass deception. There's no antichrist, false prophet, no opening of the abyss, none of this without their uh, unprecedented, no Babylon. Look at Babylon, Revelation you know, 9, 18, where it describes the culmination, you know, every unclean spirit, you know, it, it starts, it just manifested. So we're already in, in my belief, the greatest manifestation of demonic presence in global history. But it's only a scratch of what's to come. And, and the church should be warned because we've been told in, in 1 John, it's, it's true in the early church, it's true right now, we're commanded, we're commanded to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Why? Well, and, and he writes in there, he says, I write this to you because of those who are trying to lead you astray. John is writing all about this. We got to remember that the dark side, Satan himself had no problem going right straight to Jesus' face, Matthew 4, engaging him, trying to get him to defect. Of course, he was blown out of the waters. That's good. So in 1 John, we read um, that we've been given, you know, this whole contrast. It's assumed in the chapter 4, we should know the Greek word gnosko, know experientially. We should know the difference between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. We should know the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist. And we have the categories there to teach us what that is. So we should be able to spot that immediately. We have the Spirit of God. We have God, the Holy Spirit. So we got all kinds of occultist people, spirit, spirit guides. And then we have people coming into the church. Demons will guide people into the church to counterfeit what we really have. So when it comes to charismatic giftings and signs and wonders, we have all the true stuff, but it can be. Here's the things we got to do. All of the true stuff is good and should be understood in, in every, in my view, every act of God, power, grace, might, work of God should be operative um, so that God will be, just like the book of Acts. But we need to also deal as believers with the fleshly misuses, deal with that. More than ever, we must deal with the counterfeit. Every charismatic gifting, speaking in tongues, powers, healings, it can all be, it can all be counterfeited. And so counterfeits will come in. They're meant to look like they're real. They're meant to even, you know, uh, deceive the elect. So we have folks coming in that are more operative. They look more like psychics with spirit guides. We have people coming in that, you know, have spirits that Reiki masters and shamans know. It's not just energy. It's the entity, the demon. And they, we, and I, I, I just believe this. I really believe this, that, and I, I was a local pastor, you know, four churches, 30 years, and been out on the field a total of 40 years on the field. I believe that the body of Christ is not where it should be. In its power and in its discernment, I do believe the other side has grown extraordinarily, just like the Spirit of God said in prophecy and warned us 
God's given us a massive heads up. God's way ahead of the dark side. He's given us a massive intel in prophecy to say this is the sequence of satanic evolution. Get prepared for this, but I've given you authority to trample on it. Greater is he who lives in you than he, you know, that he's the one that's in the world. We and, and and let alone Psalm 91, let alone the fact that that not only are we set free from Satan owning and having rights to us, we have authority over him. Uh, we're able to rebuke, we're able to command demons, and in living in that truth and living in the power of the Spirit of God in that truth, and then living and seeing it experientially, you know what it turns Christians into? Um, very competent, very experienced, fearless individuals. Uh, that Many times, I mean, look, look at the book of Acts. By the time they got to Acts chapter 5, verse 42, you couldn't stop those early believers or the second generation believers, young guys that were coming in like Philip, you couldn't, once they learned to do what Jesus commanded the apostles to do in, in Matthew 28, teach them to do everything I commanded you, make, you know, lead them to do everything. Um, once they started doing that, because Jesus is the same, they were doing the exact same things. The church today, uh, I look at my area, I don't know how it is here, if I was have someone call me and say, I got a demonized person down here at the local mall, what church should I call? Out of 300, I might know one or two. It shouldn't be like that. Um, every local church should be a powerhouse, should know how to get people saved, pray for healing, deal with the demonic stuff, discern things, be able, and pastors need to be wise to this because the greatest level of Satan's counterfeiting and bringing it into the church and 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 in my view it brings a mockery to the real and it just tears up believers when they see fake when i say false prophets i mean those guided by demonic spirits not the spirit of god and that's a problem and it, and and we haven't seen listen it's bad enough the way it is but more is coming none of the more that is coming negates the astounding power grace authority and might god gives us but if we're not operative, if we're not walking and living in that, um, then we are subnormal. To the, you know, then they will run circles around us, and that's an embarrassment to who we who we're supposed to be in Christ. You know, one of the things that uh, that I think a lot of Christians deal with is uh, they struggle with so many demonic attacks, and they don't realize that there's a root to a lot of them. Now, now sometimes, I mean, granted, sometimes we're going to just be attacked because we're Christians. Uh, we're doing something for the kingdom. Uh, I totally get that. But a lot of times Christians, uh, they become oppressed over the years and they struggle with certain elements, sometimes physical attack, literally physical on, on the health. Uh, other times they're dealing with attacks that they just uh, all spiritual, constant, just going back and forth. And they don't know how to get to the root of it. Uh, sometimes there are situations where people have what we would call a charged object in their home. I think almost everyone listening right now potentially has something in their home that could be a charged object. Uh, we know that there's a lot of literature, uh, even movies, um, CDs, things that people might bring into their home. What could you break down about this? I, I know I'm planning on doing a full breakdown of this in, in another show, uh, but you've mentioned charged objects several times in our time together the last few days. What are these things and what's the best approach to locate them and get rid of them? Sure, let me mention three things. One, for all believers, we have warfare with the world, the fallen world system. That's it's a first John's a great book on discernment, great insight that we need. We need first John, the entire book embedded in us 
to really get, grant us discernment. So the world, the old flesh nature, though rendered powerless in our salvation, we have dynamic victory over the world, fallen world system, over the old flesh nature, and we have dynamic victory over the enemy, all in Christ. Now, from there, we can go to Ephesians chapter 4, where the Spirit of God leads Paul to write to believers, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down your anger and give the devil a foothold. It's literally in the imperative. It's, it's a command. Don't give the devil a foothold. Now, we need to stop. And here's what I think is really important about really understanding. Uh, the devil is real. He's a real entity. The, the demons are real. Now, when the Spirit of God says, don't give, it's the Greek word topos, means it's used in legal Greek literature. Don't give him a legal right. Don't open a door. We say doorway. We're in a room right now where the door is closed. So if um, if a raccoon comes to the door if a, and starts hitting the door, or a dog comes banging at the door, say it's a pit bull that's wanting, you know, wanting us. You know, So if it's hitting the door, hitting the door, if you open the door and that thing comes, it, it's coming in to get us, um, you open the door. It's closed. It's shut. Uh, in our lives as believers in Christ, we're supposed to shut the door to the world system we're supposed to shut the door to, you know, count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Romans 6, sin's not to be our master. And when it comes to the enemy, you're, we are commanded, don't give him a doorway. If a believer gives the doorway, if you get into anger long enough, you can be sure the enemy's going to come around and, and grab a hold of that and make it a stronghold. If you get into bitterness long enough, lust long enough, some of these areas, if you open the door, so that's the issue. No one can be possessed um, or what we call attachment, demonization on an attachment level, without, there's there's doorways, there's reasons. Every demon-possessed person we dealt with, we always want to deal with the, the way it got in there so they can repent of that, close that door, not get into it any longer. So, you mentioned charge objects. Let me start with, again, Timothy 4, when the Spirit of God expressly says, mass numbers of demonic presence coming to deceive. Then, demons will get into people and guide them to write inspired writings, uh, didache daemonoia. So they're doctrines, teachings, revelation that comes from demons as counterfeit to the Word of God. So there's And there's tons of books now. I mean, you can think of Alice Bailey's books, or you can think of Course in Miracles. Um, you can think of a lot of books like that. But what's true is lyrics in songs, gaming content, materials written into fantasy like the Slender Man series, um, anything that a demonic entity um, inspires to be written, again, whether a lyric in a song, writings in a book, um, then you have charged writings. We talk about charged temples. Uh, we talk about uh, charged objects. Can, can the underworld put a demon on an object? Ab you all went to the Old Testament with Achan and the and the devoted object he put in, you know, hid, hid in his tent. Because if a demon is on an object, it, it can also, it's, like, it's got an openness. It's got, a, it's got like a legal right. Uh, and what we don't understand, too, is the whole world of, you know, whether it's voodoo or whether it's Satanism and everything in between, practitioners that know, and there's millions of them now worldwide, can summon a demon, a, a spirit, and through a ritual, place that spirit on an object. Sometimes just as a charge, like an amulet, like, you know, so-called to protect themselves from other spirits. Sometimes it's on an object to have in their shop to cause people to come in. You know, whatever the demon's charge is, whatever they want that for, um, 
It may be that they have they summon a demon, put it on an object to curse somebody, and they give the object as a gift to somebody, and then that demon on the gift taken into that person's house, it can become operative and begin to cause conflict and problems. Missionaries that have gone places that didn't know the difference, they've taken charged objects that were dedicated to demon gods of like in pantheism. You know, 330 million different deities in, in pantheism. Hinduism, um, it's it, how you even count that. So they can get on objects, and so if you have a demonized object, um, the demon can bring influence to your kids, to other people, and it can bring harm. And if a demon is charged to bring unhealthy things and things like that, they can create sickness. They can create a lot of things. Um, and and the, you know, I've got massive content that we've looked over the years on spells and rituals, demons summoned and sent to strike a person's mind, their finances, their life, demons to be summoned and sent to cause somebody to want them sexually in a wrong way, all kinds of stuff. So we've got to be more discerning. We've got to be wise. Christians should be at the front. The We should be at the cutting edge, not some, you know, um, clueless, clueless, you know, the body of Christ should be this clueless, you know, we should be 50 years behind. Back row Baptist. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, it's, it's scary. It's embarrassing and it's, it's defeating. And like, I, I think I mentioned, we were talking the other day in the car, maybe about Daniel. I love Daniel because in the worst of the demonized system, demonized King, demon practitioners, the, the, you're talking some of the greatest adepts in the occult world, the Chaldeans and so forth, sorcerers that were there. Daniel was untouched. They changed. They tried to assimilate him by changing his name to a Babylonian name, uh, his clothes, his food, his education. Everything they did was to try to somehow suck him into their demonized system because it was the most demonized city on the planet at that time, 56 different temples, all kinds of massive demonic stuff going on, and he couldn't be assimilated. And when he was finally checked by the king, it came out to them saying this, Daniel and you guys, you guys, the, Daniel was 10 times greater than the sorcerers, than the others. That's my premise. Believers should be 10 times more powerful, 10 times more uh, insightful in discernment, uh, in discerning these things. And then with that authority, there's no fear here. You know, you don't need to use, don't use a rabbit's foot. Don't use water. You don't need salt for anything. Don't strike people on the head with a Bible. You know, don't do, you don't need to do, I mean, if you want to dance, you know, do a war dance, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> don't read to demons. Don't read a book to demons, you know, like you see in Catholic things and so forth. No, that just, that just, that does nothing. Look at what Jesus did. Watch how he taught and released the believers. Look how it was copied and example in the book of Acts. Very simple. Even a demonized object, you first of all, we sh we probably should pray, command anything on it, curses, whatever. I've had Satanists bring demonized objects to us. We learned the hard ways in the 80s and 90s. A lot of times we had to learn what they do. So, you know, we pray against any assignments, pray against those kind of things. Then, the, like Josiah, we just talk, we, we, we all talk about it back home as we Josiah the object. We <laughs> want to destroy it, burn it, grind it, get rid of it so it can't be used again. Uh, but listen, um, demonized temple areas, all the new old Nephilim architectures being opened, old so-called sacred spots, anywhere de you know demons were summoned or where ritual sites were or were you know uh, any of that. If, if you open the doors or, or if you're you know people are drawn back to it and reopen the doors to that, they're all there, going to still 
bring the influence. Um, and that should be a warning for any individual believer, any family, any nation. I'll just throw one little comment in because it's a burden for me. Mexico, I love, I just love Mexico. And we have a lot of listeners down there. And you, you probably got listeners down there. They have uh, 12 to 15 million people embracing a thing called Santa Morte, the saint of death. The object is a skeleton dressed in a bride's gown. It is an ancient Aztec goddess demon that demanded sex rituals and human sacrifice. So in Mexico, you have 12 to 15 million grandmothers, full families worshiping. They're bowing down. They're kissing. They're they're doing rituals. They're doing the drug lords. Are you? That's the favorite drug lord demon to to draw powers and bless the drug trade. So in Mexico, you have the drug trade, massive levels of demonic ritual, blood rituals connected, and in ten years, one hundred and sixty four thousand dead in the context of ritual and drug lord wars. It's devastating. And all of that stuff is included in the in the in the charged object sense, um, and and they're bringing. And of course, it's coming across. You're going to see it in Texas. You're going to see it all over. You're going to see it in New Jersey. You're going to see that little skeleton with a dress on it on some people's houses as if it's a blessing, and they're going to then summon and call things and 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 give uh, you know food. I mean, they're going to they're going to they're going to give veneration to a demon. That opens the door. Um, it itself is a charged object. It's it's horrific to see, but everything demonic from the beginning Genesis three to this date to what's coming. Every time they get their way in lives in any any measure. Here's the prim- here's the premise. That dark side deception always leads to destruction. It always leads to destruction. It always brings us to destruction. Uh, whether from Genesis the fall to the very end of history, we're talking hundreds of millions dead. The earth is burning up. That's because of the dark side's unbelievable manifestation and work in the world. Amen. Now, Russ, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I've got a copy of Expelling the Darkness that you brought for me. What are some things that people can expect to to go through in this book? Sure. I think one of the things when I've taught classes, you know, on the, on the, on the same content as in the book, I used to teach 16-week-long classes, and it'd start out with 30, 40 people, and then all of a sudden you were dwindling down. Once you start to really get educated biblically and you really begin to open your heart and eyes to it, I can guarantee you this. In the very beginning, the enemy's going to try to stop you. Just like when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all you guys. It's plural in the Greek. All of you guys is wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail because they were going to be launched. They're getting prepared to be launched with Pentecost coming. They're going to be launched as that church Satan sees this and strategizes. So I'm going to say this. Don't be afraid of that issue. You cannot get stronger without appropriation of biblical truth than stepping out and living in it. If you don't know your authority, you're going to get defeated a lot. You're not not going to have this massive armament to do what you need to do. So that's part of the reason for the book is to to really push the issue. To say, uh, let me say, I'll say it this way. We need to send a screaming, screaming alarm. I believe, and as much as I love the body of Christ and all my brethren, it's massively behind. The overwhelming majority of believers can't win a soul to Jesus. Most don't have any idea of the authority that they've been given. 
Um, and most don't understand the depth of the uh, armor of God and have it on. And all that involves, you know, God's full manifestation in our life, our abilities to do what we need to do. And again, turn us into those powerhouses that we need to be. So we we need to be able to appropriate um, that truth in ministering to people. And anybody getting into ministry, and the truth is, Jesus, we've been called to bear fruit. You know, John's Gospel 15, you're chosen in Christ to bear fruit. You're supposed to go forward. That's going to include answers to prayer powerfully, winning lives to Jesus clearly. Uh, that's the central issue. Anybody who's a soul winner today, I guarantee you, if you're a soul winner today, I mean consistently, you're going to run into demonized people and or demon fully possessed people along the way. And once people know you can pray and cast demons out, kick demons out, expel them, it's the Greek word ek or ekbala. When Jesus would say it, he just sternly, he wouldn't argue with them. He he just simply ek or ekbala, get out, get out of him. And um, it, it was pretty. It was, it's pretty simple when you come down to it. You don't have to add anything to this. Please don't. Don't wear a badge. Don't wear a hat. Don't don't wear deliverance clothes. There's no no need for any of this stuff. Just do as Jesus did. Do as he taught them in Luke ten. See it in in the, in the in the book of Acts clearly, easily done. And 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 I'm saying it's part of compassion. Demons when they're possessing and owning a person, like Mark five, they that person can't get it out. That They can't get this out. So there has to be uh, the extension of the ministry Jesus came to bring in exposing that side, but expelling that side. So with I, if, I, if I have this authority, and I did this years and years ago, if I have this authority to command a demon out of a person, how can I use it in my own life? If I feel demons come around me, if I feel like, like we're supposed to know Ephesians 6, that our struggle's not against flesh and blood, it begins in verse 10, you know, that we're to be empowered, dunamis, with the mighty strength of God. So if you put on the armor of God, you're going to have the manifest strength, might, and power of God in your life. That's that's exciting alone, let alone that it's going to be your um, outward offense. You, we can say defense, but it's an outward manifestation of the very presence and power of God in you. And how do you do that? Put on the We're commanded, put on the armor of God, full armor of God. And when that armor of God is on, truth and righteousness, helmet of salvation, then it talks about, you know, put up the shield of faith and you can extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows that's being sent by a sender. Now, 90% of believers, when I ask them, say they don't know what that means. If you don't know what that means, then it's a losing battle because the arrows are involuntary communication and or feeling pressed on you from, from, from a demon, a real, a real demon, where they would come to counter the word of God, counter the will of God, counter anything God is doing in your life, and whisper, you know, God's not with you. You know, you're not going to get any answers to prayer. You can't do this. You're too stupid. Um, you know, God's not even listening to your stuff. You know, it's so when you have the dark side sending thoughts, it's very, it's the method he used in Genesis 3 lying about the Word of God, the character of God, then offering His own Word. Same thing in, in, in Matthew 4. So whenever you have a sense that the enemy is sending you lies, sending you some, why do I feel like I don't ever want to pray again? Why do I, where's that coming from? You know, I want to pray, but why do I overwhelmingly feel it's useless? Because the Word of God says, ask, you receive, seek, you find, knock, the door will be open. We have these massive promises 
So when the enemy sins, it's going to run contrary to the word, contrary to the character of Christ. And if we, begin, if we let it sit there for long enough, we'll feel oppression around us. If we recognize what it is, and here's what I've learned. I can get rid of spiritual depression, oppression, not three weeks, not three days, three minutes. When you recognize what's coming against you, hey, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. You know, you get, you know, Lord, and you could even just say, Lord, what's going on right here? And if you have had like for three days a particular thing, you know, God's not going to be with you. God's not with you. Well, go, you know, there's a scripture for every lie Satan sends. There's a scripture. Go back to you know, Hebrews 13. I'm, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. So we, when we believe truth, the Spirit of God is operative. Uh, I call this little principle clearing the air. If I feel some of that oppression coming in as a believer, and that's part of warfare, um, is my shield of faith up to extinguish that, believing in Jesus, believing in every word of God? That should, that should end it right there. Because I have authority, I could get out of here. Get out of here. I will do that for a few moments until I feel an exchange, till the sense of oppression is gone, and I sense just the joy and power of the Lord. And I don't have to wait three weeks for that. I don't have to wait for three days to let the you know the enemy sitting on your head. So there's believers that have come into my office before and said, "Man, the the, the devil's just beating me up. It's like they got arrows all over. You know, they're walking. People walking to church. It's like the old cowboy. You know, uh, Indian. You know, the, the old movies. You know, they got an arrow stuck in their hat. You know, some lie the enemy lodged in years ago. Some people are crippled by. When you identify the spirit of God, help you identify the lie. Well, you exchange the lie for truth. You break that lie. You you grip the truth that God says. And You'll, you'll see the massive exchange in, in uh, well, I think it involves your, even your feeling, but your whole disposition. Um, and so the enemy always fights against our faith. God's always encouraging our faith, uh, and that's a key battleground. Uh, that's a key battleground. So every believer is going to have, you know, warfare. That's, that's, that's true. But the greater truth is, again, authority, the armor, the sense in which God, what he's given to us is overwhelming. And if we're operative in that, I don't have to run around defensively. Oh, you know, he's going to get me here. Oh, it's going to, he's going to really bug me here. I know my authority so that if, if something comes near, I'm going to hit it quickly. Now, here's a principle I, I even say, I think I say it in the book too. If you feel the enemy hitting you, hit back even harder. Stand up, put praise, you know, just start praising God, rebuke the enemy, you know, re- reject anything he's saying, reaffirm your the, what you believe in the word of God and truth, and and you're gonna you're gonna feel this constant sense. We're to live in victory, not have it just every six months, every six months. We're to live in victory and have this. Um and, and and with more that's coming, all the more we should exercise and have this as part of us. And again, becoming the powerhouses we were meant to be. Amen. That's awesome. Russ Dizdar, Expelling the Darkness. And uh, many of you uh, are probably familiar with The Black Awakening. Uh, Expelling the Darkness is Russ's latest book. And uh, you can head over to Russ's website, which is www.shatterthedarkness.net. And uh, Russ, real quick, plug us on how people can follow your work. I know you have a, you have a radio show. You have uh, tons of great content on your website. And you also have uh, a revelation study available on your website with a workbook. Tell us a little bit about what's available. 
Sure. Uh, the main website, shatterthedarkness.net. There's others that we have connected to that, prophecyprepared.com, the Ragged Edge Radio. Uh, that's what we do uh, five days a week. We're live, and we have archives. We have training courses, a lot of training courses that we have. I've got about a 1,000 hours of where I taught locally. I re-kind of lectured them. I put them on the web for free download, training courses you can get. For some of those, there's workbooks like Spiritual Warfare, we probably have like 190 hours of MP3s on spiritual warfare. Everything I'm saying here is all up on our website. All of the MP3s, everything audio is free. You can download as many as you want. Um, for some of the courses, there's a workbook for about 10 bucks or so. You can get a workbook in the prayer one. You can get a workbook on the um, on the uh, spiritual warfare one. And I have uh, the book of Revelation. There's a workbook, workbook for that. There's probably like... Um, now, I did that one live on the radio, so the, the first 10 minutes or so is radio stuff. Then it goes into the teaching, but that's probably about 60 hours of MP3s. You can download them and listen to them. So, shadowthedarkness.net, if you go to that page of Take Your Time, uh, left-hand side, we'll sh- you scroll down, you'll get all the newest audios, newest you know materials we have. And there's the books and materials are offered on the right-hand side. Any conferences or anything else we're doing, it's all there. And... Um, you know, everything else we have is linked to that shadowthedarkness.net. Well, Russ, it has been a an amazing few days. Uh, such a blessing to be able to fellowship with you and work with you on the film and now to have you on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Uh, so from the Fourth Watch family uh, to yours, thank you so much, Russ. And uh, as always, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and entered into the family of God, I want to invite you to stay tuned And I'll share with you shortly how this can be your day of salvation. Until the next time we meet again, God bless and good night. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted his holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it is absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's also impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it is impossible for you to have peace with Yahweh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and you can have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. The Bible actually declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step, regardless of what you may have heard. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Understand that repentance is a process, and it is absolutely attainable because of the grace and mercy and power of God. Because of Jesus Christ and his once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of all of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but he is also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, he is willing to meet you right where you are. And he will show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, but only through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I am so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, who shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins, which offers us the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. And make no mistake, there will come a day of judgment, ladies and gentlemen. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you can begin putting on the armor of God and growing in an intimate relationship with Him. It is the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles and learn firsthand what God expects from you. If you don't have a Bible, we highly recommend that you pick up a King James Bible, which is easy for anyone to find. Jesus Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I sure hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived on our website, worthwatchradio.com, all spelled out, F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com, worthwatchradio.com. There you'll find links to multiple streaming options, and every broadcast is dated and summarized for your convenience. Everything we offer is completely free, including our mobile apps for Apple and Android devices. You can easily click the link on the website to be taken to whichever app store applies to your device. Be sure to stay tuned in every Thursday for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the fourth watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the donate link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.